Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. A quick note before we get into the episode... Oversharing is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical or psychological advice. Always seek the advice of your physician or mental health professional. Hello and welcome back to Oversharing. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I am Dr. Naomi Bernstein. What's up? How's it going? How's your weekend? What's going on? The weekend was good. I don't know if you have anything. Did you have anything fun specifically? Nothing really that fun. I had dinner with a bunch of friends, which was always nice and fun. I'm going to Florida with a few of my friends next weekend. So I'm excited to have some girl time. Be fun. Awesome. Yeah, we laid pretty low. I have a new addiction that I spent a lot of time with this weekend. Let's hear it. Beat Saber. Have you played this game? Oh, with the Oculus thing? Yeah. Our brother, when I was in San Francisco, I was visiting our brother, John, and he has one. So I got to try it there. It is, I don't know if he has the newest, I think I tried one in your house. I don't know if you got a new one since then. But Yes, like, we got a real deal, like the, where the controllers vibrate and oh wow. it's, it's just fun. It's fun because, well, it's fun and it's funny. Like, I feel like it's kind of a workout and it's immersive and it's fun and you get a little mm-hmm. exercise, but Shira came over, our other sister, and we have this thing where we'll like video each other while we're doing it. So like when you're in it, you feel really cool. Like I feel like I'm slicing, you know, these blocks and I'm like dancing and I'm getting into it. And then you watch the video and you just look so stupid. Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly. Well, that's what, when I was doing, when I tried it at John's apartment, our brother, he sent the video to Mike. <laughs> he took a video and sent it to Mike. He's, He's like, never and- send me that again. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most unattractive thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's not cute. You know, it's funny. Um, I was playing that and part of me, I had that that thing in my mind too, where I was like, and this is a good question for you on this show, where I was like, this could be part of me was like, you know, you try it and it it's so incredible, just like the modern technology mm-hmm. of what it can do, where you actually feel like you're somewhere else. And I just think it's like so cool and so it feels so like magic. And I, I I was like, oh, maybe I should get one. And like, I can, you know, do these kinds of workouts or do these like kind of an immersive experience. But then on the other hand, I was like, there's something a little sad about it. Yeah. You know, like there's something a little sad (laughs) about being in another world. Like it feels like almost escapist or it feels like I'm like, why do I need to go to a a make-believe land? Right. To and then, enjoy myself. Yeah, it's or it true. feels like a slippery slope of like, is it like I I had a friend who used to play like The Sims a lot in high school, right, or something that kind of thing where you're building your virtual world and you're building another sim. But then she got kind of addicted to it, and she used to just like stay in on the weekends and just play it all weekend. And I'm like, I do think there's like a weird little like line, a kind of like faint line between I'm enjoying this technology yes. and I'm all. Or I'm leaving, leaving my life. I'm escaping and leaving like the real world. Yes. So I don't know where the line is. That's why I started off with like, this is an addiction because I'll be like, mommy is playing Beat Saber now. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to make your own lunch. 
It's so true. <laughs> Awareness is the first step. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about it here. But yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool. So that's what I did for a little bit, a s- small amount of this weekend. But that was the big excitement. That is kind of exciting. I didn't have that much excitement. I, again, I, I like kind of want to get it. But then I also feel like I might not play it. Maybe I'll do it. Yeah. Like, I can be an in on the video sending um, situations. Oh, my a, God. A that's, it's just so funny because I was like when you're when I was doing it, I really thought that I was like that I looked like a ninja warrior, you know, like, you know, slicing these. And right. I see it's the a, video. It makes you feel like that because that's what you see. You see right. yourself. You just see your hand. You're like digital hands. Totally. And I just, I think it's so cool. I don't, it's weird to be live in a time where that can make that. I can feel like it's only going to get crazy, even yeah. crazier and even cool, very like Black Mirror-esque, but yeah, I really enjoy it. But it's interesting on this, on the same topic of technology, I was reading an article, New York Times for the new year had this, um, this series of like seven days of happiness or something. And they give you like, each day they give you like a new tip on how to cultivate. Like, oh yeah, a- I, I did that. Oh, did you do the whole, yeah. whole thing? I, I did. Oh. Well, I don't know if I did. I think it was more, whatever I did was more than, was it through like the Dalai Lama or this is a different thing? I think this might be a different thing. Okay. I just saw, I don't know. It was a random thing that I just ha- happened to pop up and I clicked one and then I realized there were like six other days. Right. You were like, nope. <laughs> nope. Well, yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to pick the ones that I feel like right. picking. And one of them is like, don't cancel plans. Like, go because the social interaction actually feels really good mm-hmm. and the, the one that that stuck out to me that seemed like relatively easy and i actually thought i agree with a lot and i don't know if it's because i'm just more how i communicate better but one was like schedule an eight minute phone call with a friend mm-hmm. that you don't see that often or something like that and it was like eight minutes is the perfect amount of time because they say they were saying usually like when you're the people don't want to do a phone call because someone usually wants to get off before the other person wants to get off. Right. So it creates this weird situation, unlike in a text where you can like their response and that's the universal symbol for I'm done with this conversation. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> on a call, usually someone wants to get get off the call, and but sometimes the other person isn't that good at picking up the social cues. And they said the biggest social cue for getting off a call is when someone says anyway. Right. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> It's dinner time. Right. (laughs) Right. Totally. So they said eight minutes takes that out of it. And like the amount of like information that you can catch up on or get someone's like a feeling like a vibe on is like that's the perfect amount of time for like a pretty solid catch up along with um, maybe an interesting conversation about something else. So So the concept eight minute phone calls. So the concept is you schedule it eight minutes on both parties ends. At the beginning, you both agree yes. to eight minutes. Oh, yes, interesting. All and right. people, because people are hesitant, it's like the, I guess the idea to get people more into speaking on the actual phone instead of texting because it feels like it's not as intimidating as a phone call. And people, I think the you know the further into text messaging becoming a regularity, um, we get the more people are like, I don't know if I want to get on a call. Totally. Well, I agree. I think the biggest issue with me staying connected with my friends, and I think a lot of people, is that. You don't, you know, if you don't speak for long enough, now I feel like it's going to take us an hour to catch up on everything. So the idea of having to, you know, find the hour on the phone, like you're saying, feels like a bigger commitment than if like, let's just kind of pop in, do this eight minute thing, get the gist of the important stuff that's happening 
have a little warm and fuzzies. I love you. I miss you. All that. Mm-hmm. Maintain the relationship and then maybe do that like a little bit more frequently rather than what I try. I mean, I'm, I obviously like to talk, but you know, and most of my friends, I hope, like to talk unless they're <laughs> anyway, unless, unless they <laughs> haven't been picking up on their anyways until right. this very moment. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, usually it does end up, you know, feeling like we have to have these big, long catch up conversations because they're not happening frequently enough. So, yeah, that's that's a good tip. I like that. Yeah, I thought it was um, an interesting one. I liked it a lot. I think you just, it just make me, it feels like a lot more deep than like even three months of casual texting yes. with like hours in between. Each totally. Text. So I'm suggesting that. And on, it's funny because our first oversharing email is sort of, sort of relates to, um, or I guess it fully relates to communication, communication and how much we should expect and I guess what's insulting. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I can't say how many times I've thought, I just wish I had one more hour in this day. I'd probably do a different thing with it every day. Some days I would probably call a friend, catch up. Other days I would take a long nap. But either way, an extra hour would always really help me out. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I personally have been to therapy for many years and it has been so, so helpful, not only in prioritizing what I want, what I want to spend my time on, how I want to live, but also helping me optimize my relationships and use that time more wisely, like use that time to create better bonds with people more intimate experiences. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash overshare today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Overshare. There is nothing better than feeling yourself, especially when your denim looks and feels good. That's why Lee is a staple in my wardrobe, because everyone is an icon in their own right, and Lee makes denim so you can own your style and feel good about it. I got a few Lee pieces that I absolutely love. They've been a wardrobe staple of mine. Ever since I got them, I just keep basically like switching between the two or three jeans that I got. Every time that I wash them, they get more comfortable and they get more fitted and more flattering to me. I love that they flatter every body type. They're timeless. So you can wear them at any point. I love that the jeans feel like comfortable yet flattering. I don't know how they do it. It's actually an art and they've mastered it. Leah's denim jacket is the one to reach for without fail. A classic. The Ryder jean jacket is the OG, what every other brand has copied for decades. Denim trends come and go, but Lee is legendary for creating denim cuts that fit your body. Their spring collection is here, so get the freshest looks and cuts before anyone else. You can find your Lee fits by visiting lee.com. That's lee.com to shop spring looks now. If you want to send us an email, you can email oversharing at betches.com. Love the emails we get. They're so varied. They're so interesting. And I really love reading them. Or if voicemails are your thing, you can leave us a voicemail. Our voicemail number is 646-363-6294. And let's just get right into it. Okay. Hi, Jordana and Dr. Naomi. I'm a 29-year-old female recently married to my 30-year-old college sweetheart. 
We have been together for 10 years and married just over six months. His family is extremely wonderful and always craved that in relationships as I grew up in a pretty unconventional home. I am not all that close to my family and I have strict boundaries with them. My in-laws are really amazing people and would do anything for us. They love us dearly and do not treat me any differently than they treat their other three children. I feel awful even complaining about this, but honestly, I'm at the point where I'm so completely suffocated by them. My husband feels the same way, but we have no idea what to do. Here are a few of of many examples of why I feel this way. One, his parents send us at least one email a day, usually an article that they found interesting about how to develop healthy habits, save money, lose five pounds, eat well, etc. Two, frequently throughout the week, we receive texts in the family group chat saying, just checking in, how is everyone today? Or from his mom asking if anyone needs this random thing she accidentally bought too much of, like laundry detergent or toilet paper. Or she will just stop by my house with a Costco-sized thing of paper towels saying she accidentally bought this and thought we might need it. So then I have to find a space for them in my small house as I already have paper towels stored away from my own Costco run. Three, when I lost my job over a year ago, I would receive daily affirmation texts from them encouraging me or letting me know how important healthy routines are during this time. They're coming from a good place, but it makes me feel like they don't think we are competent adults who can buy our own toilet paper, save money, have a healthy lifestyle. I don't need every single life hack sent to me. This is information overload. My my husband and I are very healthy, eat well, and exercise daily as well as our good savers. We don't need these constant reminders to do things we are already doing. And honestly, even if we weren't doing them, it's not really any of their business. When we were young and in college, I sort of liked the attention as I didn't have that from my parents. But now we are fully adults, married, own a home, and are trying for our first child. I can't help but become angry when these things happen. Yesterday, I got an article about how to track my cycle to try for a boy for my mother-in-law, and it made me irrationally mad. Oh, gosh. I I actually think that is kind of annoying. Um, (laughs) I just want some sort of independence, and I want that for my husband, too. He gets it much worse than I do. But I also feel super ungrateful as I know they love and care about us so much and come from a loving place. Please, how do I establish healthy boundaries without sounding ungrateful? I do love them, but they are driving me insane. Sincerely, my in-laws are too nice. Yeah, this it's it it is very directly linked to what we were talking about. I think she needs to find a few anyway moments in there. (laughs) You know, like a few of these. So I don't know how she's responding, but what's What's that book that you always talk about where you kind of train your... Don't uh, shoot the dog? Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if this... I haven't read it, but I don't know if this applies where it's almost... My advice would be you can communicate subtly by giving a little bit less. So like if there's an article that you really don't want and she's they're emailing you articles, I think you can either just not respond or you can just say, thanks. And that's it. Give like a little bit less. Right. You don't even have to read it. Right. You don't have, you certainly, I agree. You do not have to read any of this and you can just write thanks or thanks for sending. Or if it's something offensive, like how to track my cycle to try for a boy, you could feel free to completely (laughs) ignore that. Like, I think you can give in the beginning, step one, I think would be giving some- First line of defense. Yeah. First line defense would be giving some subtle non-response responses, like ignoring it or just giving a very short response. I don't know what she's doing now. If she the feels like, like button. Yes. Maybe she does feel like she's having to read all of this and then give some kind of 
thoughtful response, which I think sounds horrific. And I could see why she's getting really frustrated with that. So if you're not already just kind of saying thanks and moving on with your day, that's where I would start. And maybe they'll get the hint that, you know, they're not getting a lot of engagement from you on these things. Right. Well, she probably doesn't also want to be like them to think, oh, she's doesn't like them or she's being rude. But like, I don't really think that's rude if it's constant. If it were like the one time a month they sent you something once a month, you get a, an interesting article and they don't hear anything. I think that would be like maybe considered rude or a text every, you know what I mean? A text once a month asking how you're doing. That would be rude. But if right. it's every day. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I also think that you could just, even if someone sends you, it's like what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. If someone sends you something, you don't have an obligation to read it that second or that day even. Mm-hmm. I think she could just shelf it, say thanks for sending this and move on. It's probably, an, I, I could imagine it's annoying her because she is feeling compelled to actually engage in this, read the article, dig in, like the, you know, toilet paper that she has to clear her closet, find a new spot for it. That one, I think she could say, you know what, thank you so much, but we really don't have space. I just right. bought Make some it about toilet paper. Right. Yeah. I just bought a bunch. We re- I don't really don't have a place for it. I appreciate the thought. But on the flip side, I do think this sounds really sweet. They do sound really nice and loving. You know what she could do? Because clearly that person wants to be helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Is you could actually say like, I'm actually so good on toilet paper. I have nowhere to put it. If you could, next time you're there, if you could get me whatever small thing like that maybe is easier to store. Right. Because I think that that thing kind of thing comes from the person just really trying to be helpful. My dad is a lot like this emailer's in-laws. Right. And I can understand why it can feel like quite suffocating. Like when it's really, it seems like just really nice. Because like my dad will do this where he'll, and dad, if you're listening, which I know you're not, um, love you. <laughs> um, well, every day I'll get a text. Good morning. How's your day going? I love you. And I'm like, it's almost like even if I don't know, I know I don't have to respond immediately. I'm like, this is like another thing now I have to like mm-hmm. do. Or like, yes. or he'll be like, if I'm going on a flight, he'll be like, what's, give me the tracking information for your flight. And then he'll text me on the flight and be like, you got two hours left on the flight. And I'm like, I'm on, I'm on the flight. I know I have two hours left. Like, right. and it's like, part of it is like, I, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's, it's better than the, the flip extreme of someone has no idea what you're doing or or what you're up to and no interest so i do think you know if you compare it to that it does feel nice but it also can feel like a lack of reading the room right of like how much communication someone's interested in and it's i remember i've talked about this with my therapist especially because we have so many members of our family who you know there's like a lot of communication all the time where you can say kind of like exactly what you said Something like really busy today. If you want to, let's get on a, I, I can get on a call on this day at this time if you mm-hmm. want to talk about this thing. Right. And usually the person doesn't even really care by then. Right. But <laughs> exactly. They're like feeling it in that moment. They want to talk about it in that moment. Yes. Right. Well, it makes you kind of long for a time when like you couldn't just mess, you get in contact with someone immediately when, when the thought first got to your mind. Totally. And this is a question for you because I struggle with this and I don't know what the, like a technology question is sometimes I'll get a text and I don't have the time to answer it. Is there a way 
to leave it like I, I just what I end up doing is just leaving it unread. But sometimes yeah. if it's a little bit like I kind of want to see what it is to make sure it's not an emergency or something. I like I kind of want to read it, but then I want to leave it like alerted so I can know that I want to get back to it later. Like almost like in an email where you can do unread. Flag it. Right. Flag it as unread. No, I don't think you can do that. Um right. that I'm aware of. So I I see what you mean too, where sometimes I'll read a text and I'll be like, I'm in the middle of something, but I read the text and then I forget about yes. it. And then I ignore the person. And that ha yeah, that does happen. Right. So So I I mean my strategy is if I don't if I'm not in a place where I can respond, I just leave it unread so it's gonna you know, show up every time I open my text messages. And then when I have a chance, I'll respond. So the one thing I can recommend really is just maybe like the same way people do in dating, right? Like if you're not that interested in somebody, well, I won't say this is a blanket <laughs> statement because some people do spend a longer time getting back to someone for other reasons than they're not interested. They're playing games or they're trying to- or Maybe you know, they're working, maybe. Right, or working or whatever. Yeah. But I do think- Sometimes when someone is less interested, you just take a little bit longer to respond. And again, I want to make it clear because I'm sure there's listeners out there that are being like, oh my God, well, that's why he didn't answer me for seven hours because he's not interested. And I don't think that's necessarily true. He might just be playing games or she might just be playing games or feeling insecure, whatever the thing is. But I think you can take a little bit longer to respond, which sends this, this precedent of, I'm not going to be instantly accessible and you can kind of warm the person up or get them slowly introduced to the idea that you can send me what you want, but I'm going to get back to it when I have the time to get back to it. Like these what? emails, for example, that she can either not respond to. I wouldn't take offense to the fact that they're giving them these life hacks. I think that's just what they... I think they just want to engage with their kids because they probably feel lonely, a little empty, nesty, a little whatever. I don't think they're saying that you're not handling your life well. So if that's what you're feeling, I don't think that's what this is. I think it's just they want to engage with you. They miss you. They, you know. They're thinking about you, obviously, right. very, very frequently. Right. A lot more than you're thinking about them, potentially. Right. So I, w I wouldn't take offense to the content of it, but I also think you can take as long as you need to respond. Like we said, to, I said to you a few weeks ago, when you're sitting and waiting for a plane, go back through and respond, read some of these articles right. and respond. Or when you're waiting in line at a thing or you have nothing to do, you can go back and see if some of them, and if some of them are offensive or you have no interest in them, you do not have to read them. You can right. just write, thanks for sending and move on. Yeah, I agree. And then I think the second line of defense if that they're not really, if that's not working or they seem to be annoyed about that kind of thing, is I think you can say, hey, like, I so appreciate, you know, your text throughout the day. And I feel bad because I really, I'm, I get super busy and hung up at work and I don't really have the chance to do that. I have a better, like, or you can have your husband say this because he's probably closer with them. Why don't we do a call every Sunday evening? Right. We'll do a call. You can tell us about all these articles you read. Right. Um, it'll be 20 to 30 minutes. We'll go over how the week was instead of every single day individually. Totally. Um, or even every other week, depending on how how big of a threshold you have for, for speaking right. to these people. Mike, I have to say, has it down. His contact with his parents throughout the week is sort of like on an as-needed basis. Like if some like if something needs to be related, it's related. But every Sunday he'll call them. He gets the full gist of the week. 
he doesn't miss a Sunday unless right. he's on vacation. Right. He's on vacation. He misses it. And then that's it. That's all the, ex- the all of the expected communication is like done. Totally. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's definitely a great, a great way to do it. And I also think just having, I, I agree with the idea of having the conversation that says, I feel badly. I don't want you to feel like I'm ignoring you, but I feel sometimes overwhelmed with the amount of emails I'm getting. And, you know, I just want to let you know, it's not that I don't appreciate it or that I don't care. So if I don't get back to you, please, you know, it's not because I don't love you or whatever. Just kind of putting that out there, I think will soften all of this. And you can do it regardless of how this goes. I think you can just say that. Well, you know, when you see them, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to read that article that you sent me. I, you know, I just sometimes with all these emails, I get a little overwhelmed. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good line. If they're as nice as you think they are, I feel like they, or that you say they are, I think that they probably will want to not bother you. Right. I would imagine to an extent. Right. Or at least give you the opportunity not to have to feel guilty about not responding. Even if they kind of continue, let's just say they continue with the behavior that you don't have to feel badly not responding right. because you've explained yourself and you've, you know, communicated. Yeah. And to your personal end, and I have this problem too, where I feel rude, especially because like I have a job, but like a lot of my job is on my phone. So I do see everything that comes in like almost immediately. Like I see things very, like I don't have like a bunch of, of kids. And most of my, again, most of my work is like through my phone or through my computer and I see the text right away. But something I'm personally training myself for is even if you do see it right away, you don't, you don't have to actually respond to it right away. I'm kind of like you. It's, that's the one thing I feel like I got from our mom is like she said that the best time to do something is the second you think of it, which is helpful right. in a lot of other things like work tasks. But I actually think that for responding to someone um, right. that might not be a useful way to think of it. Totally. Yes. Because especially, I mean, even when she was saying that it was so long ago, I don't think it had anything to do with this context but yes i i would leave it was more like cleaning your car like if you if you think you should get rid of the garbage in your car you should just do it that second instead of thinking what am i gonna do yes totally but for this i agree this is a very different thing you're gonna live your life you know overwhelmed with tasks and communicating and connecting on these little moments that it's gonna rob you of your experience of just being in your life so i would leave the messages unread and respond to them you know when you can it's hard to do if you're not someone who does that frequently. Like if you're like an immediate responder, mm-hmm. that's actually a good meditative lesson, I think, to like sit with the discomfort of not answering someone who's messaged you. Right. Or even ha- like not reading a text message the second it comes through. It's kind of like I'm a little curious. I want to know what it says, but I don't necessarily want to respond or yeah, it does take a little bit of patience there. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly has a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There's no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. So it's no big deal if you lose a button, spill something, or you just need to take a break. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. 
Get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code OVERSHARING20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com, that's Newly with two U's, and enter the code OVERSHARING20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, Newly with two U's, with code OVERSHARING20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Okay, let's do our Betch Assist ethical email. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's do it. Hi, Dr. Naomi and Jordana. I love your take on past questions about women friendships and really hope to hear what you think of this situation. I have a friend who I've been friends with since childhood. We're in our early 30s now, and since college or so, our friendship has consisted of getting together once or twice a year and texting not much more than that. She's not someone who's wronged me or that I want to cut out of my life, but she's not someone I relate to that much anymore or could regularly spend a lot of time with. I'm taking advantage of working remotely and booked an Airbnb in Italy for a month. I've invited some friends to stay with me at different times while I'm there. I wouldn't even think to invite this friend, but about a year and a half ago, she had an opportunity to stay for free in Hawaii and invited me to come. I went on the trip and had a great time, but it was clear to me by the end of the trip that we're not compatible travelers. She was fine staying in a lot of the time, didn't care to try different restaurants too much, and spent a lot of time reading or relaxing in the apartment, so I wound up doing a lot of things on my own. I really appreciate her inviting me and did enjoy myself, but I wouldn't want to travel with her again. Is it unfair of me not to invite her to Italy since she invited me on her trip? Should I just suck it up and invite her? I really don't want to hurt her feelings, but I think it's unavoidable if I don't invite her. Worse is that she mentioned on that trip that if I ever wanted to go to Italy, she'd love to go. I feel really bad because it's kind of unspoken that we're not that close anymore, but I'm not sure if she sees it the same way. I have a knot in my stomach thinking of her finding out she wasn't invited and being upset, but I also think it might be less enjoyable with her there. Please let me know what you think. Thank you. I think no invite. Yeah. Because here's the thing about the truth. And I was talking to my friend about this a lot before. It's like, sometimes it feels like niceness and truth truthfulness are opposing factors, Mm -hmm. right? And some people actually prefer niceness to truthness. I'm not one of those people. I prefer the truth to being nice, but not everyone feels that way. I totally understand that way. Some people are much more, I'm going to go get lunch with someone that I don't necessarily want to see because it's the nice thing to do. Right. That's why some people think I'm a bitch. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But to me, reality is like the most is one of my like values, like living in the truth of reality of what your truth is and not being like fake or not doing something that you th- that feels disingenuous. So to me, having that state, that frame of mind, I'm in the camp of you shouldn't invite her because that's not really what you want to do. You're not you wouldn't be looking forward to it and you wouldn't enjoy it. And that's not living your truth. So right. to say, I agree. I think I think most people, if you ask them 
in this situation, would they prefer that their friend be honest with them? I think the majority of people would prefer truth over niceness. In the moment when you're on the other side of the truth, it doesn't feel good. Like again, that whole, I need to just like feel this triggering feeling go through my body. I feel rejected. I feel unwanted. I feel unlikable, whatever it is. But then ultimately you let that feeling kind of pass and you come through and say, okay, I'm, I'm happier that I knew that I really wasn't wanted on this trip or we're not compatible travelers or whatever it is. Even though for a moment it feels very triggering, doesn't mean that it, the outcome is probably not what it should have been. So I I agree. I also think, like you said, you can't invite someone on a trip just for the reciprocity of them inviting you on a trip. Like you invited her because you wanted her there and she is not going to invite you because she does not want you there. You know? Right. And I mean, that is sort of the, like, that is the pain of life. Sometimes like things hurt and you can't avoid pain forever unless, I mean, you can't, the best way to avoid pain is to live in a world that is not real. So to me, that's definitely the move. And I mean, I my only question here about the uh, ethics of it all would be like, should she just go on the on the trip and post from the trip and her friend will just know that way that she's not invited on the trip? Or should she like give her friend some heads up that she's not invited on the trip? That seems unnecessary. Right. I think the context that she gave, which is that they see each other twice a year and text twice a year. I think the only reason she's having any guilt about this is because she went to Hawaii with her friend. I don't think other than that, there's any reason why this friend would expect an invite. And what I think she can do is go on the trip, live her life as she would. And if the friend seems upset or sends her a message or seems irritated or whatever, then she can be honest. And it's not even that she's saying, she she smells terrible or she hates her personality. Like there's nothing so offensive here other than the truth, like you said, which is when we went to Hawaii, I just feel like we weren't compatible travelers. Like I really wanted to do a bunch of stuff. I ended up doing a bunch of stuff by myself because you kind of wanted to stay in, which is fine and it's great. But I just sort of felt like we weren't a match for traveling. Doesn't mean I don't want to be your friend. Doesn't mean we can't get lunch or hang but if the friend is asking or the friend right. comes to her and says, I feel so disappointed or, you know, I, I didn't know. She'll probably send something like, I didn't know you were going to Italy. That would be like the right intro. And then what would you even say? Well, well, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think if she pushed it, she could say, yeah, you know, she could tell just be truth. I agree with what you're saying. Give her truth. And if the friend pushes it, hey, I would really would have loved an invite or then she could give her a dose of truth. And it's not, there's nothing that terrible about this truth. It's not that she doesn't like the friend. It's just that she doesn't feel like they're a good traveling match, which isn't the most offensive thing in the world. You know, it's kind of like, if I like going on a beach vacation and just laying on a chair and reading my book and you want to go on excursions and hikes and, you know, do all kinds of, we're, doesn't mean we can't be friends. We're just not a good match for traveling together, which is right. fine. Yeah. And even if the real reason is that you aren't really particularly that close, you don't need to say that. <laughs> right, right, right. But she's got to know. I mean, she gives us a pretty clear context twice a year. That's not a lot of contact. But she said she thinks the friend thinks they are closer than they are. Maybe because of, some people I feel like kind of place a lot of emphasis on the longevity of the friendship mm-hmm. over the current state of the friendship. Mm-hmm which is not a problem you get in relationships because it's a totally different thing. But with friendships, I feel like there's certain people who are like, 
the history of the friendship and the fact that there were times when someone maybe was a lot closer to you make some people feel like that is something that sort of will sustain throughout their life with no effort or work or side-by-side maturation compatibility. Right. I agree with you. There is this sadness that I think comes from giving up on a 20-year friendship. You know, that's it's like just this kind of existential, like you kind of are a piece of my childhood that I can keep alive in this way. And we've had these childhood experiences and it is, I could see why people want to cling to those friendships because it's like a, you know, connection to your former carefree child self that I think a lot of people have a nostalgia for. So I get it. And that is hard to let go. I could see why the friend is hanging on to it. And I, but I don't get the feeling from this reader that she wants to, I mean, from this listener that she wants to, you know, end the friendship, end the whole friendship. I just think she doesn't want to invite her on this trip. Right. Which but, I think is so fine. Yeah. Well, hopefully she can go on the trip without the knot in her stomach, knowing that she's not doing anything wrong. Yes. Um, although she might still have a slight amount of anxiety. But if she does come to you, you you know, I think she has a very valid argument. And I think you can be yourself on the trip. I would not go on the trip and think I can't post or I can't, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. You went on one trip with her to Hawaii. She invited you. That was great. It's not tit for tat. I mean, if that was the case, you guys would just be inviting each other on every trip you ever go on in perpetuity. So she invited you. She had a nice time. That's it. There's no need. And yes, go guilt free and post whatever you want. And if she's upset with you, then hopefully you can work up the courage to address it. All right. Well, good luck with that. Give us an update on that one. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, let's do our intention segment. Hey, Jordana, Naomi, I would like your opinion on a recent TikTok trend called, quote, lucky girl syndrome. It all started with a TikTok from Laura Galeeb. G-A-L-E-B-E. Said in mid-December. To summarize what it's all about, lucky girl syndrome is a form of manifestation that brings you luck through repeating affirmations like, I'm so lucky and great things always happen to me. You have to really believe that good things are going to happen to you and everything will work out. Here's the original video from influencer Lauren G to help explain what it's all about. You're going to listen to what I'm about to say because this is going to change your fucking life. Ever since I started to do this, shit started flying at my face. I genuinely consider myself one of the luckiest people I know. Like I get the most insane opportunities thrown at me out of nowhere. There's literally no better way to explain it than like, it feels like the odds are completely in my favor. I've thought about this and talked about it with friends before and me and like asked myself, like, I wonder why this shit always happens to me. And I'm not exactly sure at what point this started for me, but ever since I can remember, I have always made it a point to tell everyone, 
I am so lucky. I just always expect great things to happen to me and so they do. And I wouldn't even call this like toxic positivity because I genuinely believe that like the best things just happen to me. No one that I hate more than those people who are like, yeah, but I'm a realist. Like get the fuck out of my face. Like cool, that's probably why your life is literally going like shit. So trust me when I say this, try being delusional for a month and tell me if your life doesn't change. I'll read the, the, the rest of the email. Normally, I would agree with this. It's a cute little affirmation in my mind. However, a few people on TikTok have reacted to this trend by saying that this is just a form of toxic positivity and new age spirituality. Trends like this prey on the less fortunate, saying that all they have to do is think positive and good things will happen to you, like money, good health, a new partner, etc. People are saying this is rooted in privilege, where of course good things come easier to those who start further along. Here's an example of a rebuttal to the trend from a TikToker named Ali P. Hey girlies, you accidentally started a super toxic trend. Thank you so much. I love seeing lucky girl syndrome all over my FYP, um, but it's a huge problem. And I see that you guys are very, very young and Neville Goddard and the law of assumption and the law of attraction and all of that stuff is a huge scam. And it's a, it's a huge problem for you to be spreading this shit. Okay. And then she writes, I'd love to know your opinions on this as a fully developed adult. I can weigh out the pros and cons of the situation, but when it's on a platform directed towards younger kids, I'm leaning towards the side of these trends can be harmful. Also, where do you stand on toxic positivity in general? Is it a real thing or just a reaction from people whose natural state is one of negativity? And where do you draw the line between simple affirmations and harmful behavior? Good question. This is a great question. The first girl's video was like kind of irritating me. Just her like vibe was kind of annoying. Well, because she's <laughs> beautiful and like putting on her t contouring makeup, looking beautiful already. So just the fact that you are a beautiful woman is going to already give you a leg up in right. society. That's fact, mm -hmm. right? From the time you're a baby, they do research studies that when there's younger babies that are more cute cuter babies get more attention when you're walking around the supermarket in a supermarket cart with an adorable baby, more people are going to pay attention to the baby and smile at the baby. And then the baby's going to smile more. The baby's going to feel like they get a little bit more social interaction and there sets them off for the rest of their life. So I think the sometimes- The life of narcissism. Yes. <laughs> so I think just the fact that this woman is, you know, I would- think would be considered more attractive than most. And she's enhancing that with all of her contouring that she's doing during the video, I think is probably already setting her up. Flip side, saying I'm lucky is a way of having gratitude, right? So people do, you know, I recommend to my patients all the time to do gratitude journaling where they, in the morning or before bed, they sit and they write down all of the things that they're grateful for. So I do think there's probably some moderation in here that is helpful to kind of be grateful for what you have and tell yourself that you're lucky for the things that you do have, but you're, you are straddling that line between toxic positivity and gratitude. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I kind of agree with the emailer that like a dose of this is kind of nice, but I do think in the rebuttal video where the person, where they're basically like, you know, you're young and and this is kind of a scam. I don't know if it's like fully a scam. Like I believe it's kind of like our discussion of manifesting versus mm -hmm. like what's real versus not. I don't know if it's like a fully a, I think this, the, the idea that saying it actually makes it come true potentially is a scam, especially because mm -hmm. she's saying I'm lucky or not like I'm 
I'm capable or I'm, you know, I'm smart or I'm beautiful even like those are like more like things that would give you, I, I also think cultivating confidence opens more doors for you generally. And again, makes you more of a, like a person who gets what they want. I do think confidence potentially is strongly related to that. I don't think saying I'm lucky is necessarily the thing that's doing that. Right. But I also think she is young. TikTok is a very big platform for young people. And at 20 years old, I also thought I knew everything about everything, (laughs) which is a nice way to think for like a period of time. But then eventually, and life is long, something happens where you're like, oh, I'm not unique. Like, I don't know everything there is to know. I actually like something happens sometimes to deflate your ego or, or knock you down a couple of pegs. And you're like, oh, I don't know the secret to everything. I still have more things to learn or I'm not perfect. Totally. So um, I think that moment does happen to pretty much everyone. I mean, maybe. And if it doesn't, you kind of become an asshole. So right. I, I don't think it's particularly helpful for it to not happen either. Like a humbling experience is actually quite resilience building and and good for your personality. Right. So I think there's that aspect of it too. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. I think that she probably up until this point in her 20 years hasn't has been very lucky, which is great. But if someone who, you know, lost their parent a year ago or someone who got diagnosed with a bad illness or whatever some, you know, has a huge financial burden or intense, you know, just mental illness or something like that, those people are just not going to be able to buy into the concept of I am lucky. I'm not lucky if my, you know, one of my parents has died by the time I'm 20. I'm not lucky if I have a chronic illness that causes pain in my body or so I see why the backlash here because she happens to probably be lucky and that's great and it's great to have gratitude but I do think that there's a lack of awareness that there are difficult things that happen. Although it does, you know, the idea of toxic positivity, which I think is interesting. Can you define that? Yeah, I think what I see that as in my practice and just in my own experience is relates a lot to what we talk about in here. It's like if something feels bad or it's going to create a negative emotional reaction, you just kind of turn it off and focus on the positive. Like you're always turning it around and always focusing on the positive, which I will admit, sometimes I kind of lean towards that side with, you know, um, people in my personal life, like always trying to point out the bright side. And what ends up happening is you're not allowing yourself or the people around you to feel their feelings. So you end up kind of shutting down the pro- the healing process before the person has had a chance to go through their healing process. So, and I, I do this with my kids a lot, admittedly, you know, like if one of my kids, cause a problem to a five-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old is not really a problem to me, or even a problem that your friend is having might not be right. a problem to you. So it's very easy for you to be like, oh, don't focus on that. Focus on this. Look, you have this great thing and you have that great thing. But when you do that, you're not allowing them to do what I always recommend, which is like feel your feelings of grief or pain or fear. It turns off that process, which is why I think it's toxic. It doesn't allow you to really go through the process that you need to go through to come out on the other side, if that makes sense. Right. This is I don't really see how this is toxic positivity, I guess, because she's saying that she feels lucky. Well, I guess for the people that are that she's recommending to do this, right? So it's kind of like 
okay, you just lost your job, right? And you're like, oh, well, I'm going to focus on the fact that I have two weeks off now or I have an unlimited time off and I can sleep as late as I want and not really like going through the process of grieving the loss of this job or like feeling the feelings that come along with losing your job, the feelings of rejection or self losing your self-confidence or whatever it is. You just like jump so quickly to finding the next positive thing that you Mm -hmm. don't allow yourself to fully process your negative emotions and then they end up kind of stored. Right. That's fair. Okay. So we like a little bit of this. Yeah. I guess. I mean, but look, it also, de- I, I, we like, I like it in the way of she's like, I'm lucky because I get to choose my mindset, right? That's different. Like, mm-hmm. not I'm lucky because it's like what we talked about with manifesting. You're not lucky because like good things are just going to fly in your direction. And I think what's triggering people is that maybe that has happened for this person because she, has had some privilege. I don't know anything about her. She could have, you know, she could be an orphan for all I know. I don't know what her deal is. I don't know how lucky she is or isn't. But I like the idea of um, I'm lucky in that I have found a way to, to choose my mindset. And like I always say, wherever your attention is, that's where you live. So mm-hmm. if her attention is on the good things that are happening and her attention is off of the bad things, that is going to be helpful, I think. Um, so yeah, I like some of this. Yeah. I think this without like the ego that she seems to bring to it would be great. Yes. <laughs> like she seems a little braggy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh, I could see why this would irk people. Like it's almost lot. like if this was true and she didn't make the video about it, I could see where it would be like, it would be kind of inspiring where if she was just like, yeah, like almost like retroactively, like I'm just extremely blessed. When someone says, how did you get this job or how did you, you know, had, you know, where'd you find that dress or how'd you get this opportunity? But to make the thing about it being like that, I agree, shows like a lack of self-awareness of privilege and the ego and seems like a little, like she has a bit of an inflated ego about it. Right. And I also think people are in- more inspired by someone who's been through something and then can find their way out of it. So if she would have said, I had this, you know, chronic illness and it affected me for many years. And then I found a way to like change my life through this manifesting thing that would come off, I think, a little bit different than just like, I've just been born lucky and I've always been lucky. And so I'm, you know, able to feel, you know, lucky thoughts. Totally. And, you know, I think yeah. having That's not-, not inspirational. Right. Yeah. It's just, yeah, you probably just were born into a, you know, a nice life, which is great. I don't take away from that, but that, it is ignoring the fact that other people don't have money for contour products or whatever, you know, like <laughs> right. the thing is that you're clearly not experiencing. Right. Or born with an extremely symmetrical, beautiful face. Yes, totally. Which good for her. But yeah, I think we I think we delved into that in the correct manner. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Okay, let's get into our triggered segment. Let's do it. 
Dr. Naomi and Jordana, I love the pod. I have a triggered scenario for you. I have a friend who seems to have taken on my personality. She dresses like me, wears her hair like me, decorates her apartment like mine, claims to be interested in things I'm interested in that she never cared for before. If I make a post on Instagram, she often copies it. It all sounds very middle school, and I know imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but it makes me uncomfortable and a bit annoyed that she is trying to play things off as her personality or sense of style when it really isn't. Buying the same bag, shirt, shoes, whatever a few times is fine, but to change your entire look and personality to imitate mine is odd. How triggered can I be, and is this even something to bring up to someone? If so, how? Tell her I like her for her, not because she's a clone of me? Yeah, I I think she's on the right track. Yes, I do think she could see it as flattering, but at a certain point, it just is annoying. It's a little creepy. Yeah, and creepy. Single white female. Did you ever see that movie? No, but I feel like it's become so part of the like uh, the lexicon, right? Like the, that I kind know what it means, even right. though I haven't seen them. I actually saw it. It was like a horror movie when I was a kid that I probably saw like when I was too young to have been seeing it. So it's in my scarred. I'm scarred. Okay. Um, Basis is that someone copies the way someone tries to become someone else. Yeah, and then tries to like take over her life and ultimately, you know, kill her and steal her boyfriend, kind of thing. Spoiler um, alert. <laughs> <laughs> so I do think that she's on the right track when she says, tell her I like her for her, but not because she's a clone of me. I think this friend is obviously insecure and she is seeing this stuff that her friend is doing and thinks she's super cool and beautiful and trendy and whatever and wants to be like her. So I think she's she's touching the root of what it is. Um, and I think her friend needs a little bit of a ego boost or something that can, you know, even if she found something that she does that she could say, Hey, I really like that thing that you did, or give her a little bit of, you know, something that says like, I, I like the, I don't know that at first she has to bring up the clone part, but I do think at some point she, she could bring that up. You know, I think at some point if it continues and it's really intense, I think she could say, you know, I, I've noticed that there's just been a bunch of things that I'm doing and you're doing the same thing. And, you know, I obviously love you. I love our friendship, but it just makes me feel like it's, you know, taking my individuality. And, um, you know, I love this thing that you did and I'd love to help, you know, if you feel like you want a little bit of help, like developing your own thing, like maybe I could, you know, I could help you with that or just be kind of aware right. of the underlying insecurity that's there and bring it up in a way of kind of just gently, you know, like I value my individuality and this, 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 and this other thing just makes me feel kind of like I'm trying to be my own person, but you know, you're making that difficult or something along those lines. Um, I also think she should be aware of if she's doing it too. Right. I wonder if there's a potential, you know, sometimes two friends meet and in the beginning then you just kind of become, right, you become almost like one person. As right. You, like especially the, if you live with someone. Right. In the beginning, you're kind of like, oh, like, I love this. Oh, I love this too. And you both kind of get this and you both do that. Or maybe she's, you know, I would just check yourself and make sure that you're not playing into this at all in any way. And if yeah. you're not, then I think you can move on to maybe having that conversation, but in a very tender way that's aware that she's probably insecure and just trying to find herself. And the easiest yeah. way is to look at you and copy you. Yeah, it's definitely an insecurity thing. It's funny. I never really did this with friends, but I feel like there was a point when I was dating 
where I my personality I felt like would shift to be more interested in the thing with the person that I was dating was into or like I tried to be, you know, so so tried to be the per- tried to me, turn into the person that they wanted to date in my mind. Let me hear what you uh faked faked on like what did you oh, pretend to be interested i don't know in? sports knowledge politics right. like whatever the whatever right. the big interest was of right. whoever it was like i think that's a mistake a lot of people make in early dating where they're trying to change themselves into the person that someone wants to date instead of just being themselves and totally. i can see why that would happen in a friendship too they're both really stem from the from like an ins like you said an insecurity or a desire to be. I remember sometimes, like, sometimes like a guy would make a joke, like about in in like if he would text a joke about like a sports joke or something like that. I would like look it up and like right. look at what he was talking about, <laughs> and then like come up with the appropriate response, which is just so not the way to you oh know the gosh. right the, the way That's to be funny. yourself is to say I actually don't watch I that. I have no idea what you're talking yes, about. Yes, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I you know I think you know we can all relate to the idea of like. You see a person, a woman, whoever, where you're like, oh, my God, I love her style. Celebrity. Yes. I love the way her house is decorated. Like even, for example, I'll give you this example. So our brother Josh and Sharon, they moved into a new house and they had this really pretty aesthetic with these like gold. It was like gold Gold accents, gold accents and like blue gold accents with blue, whatever. And I didn't even I just. And I saw that one place, I saw that someplace else, and then we did something like that. We, you know, changed our fixtures out yeah. and did the gold with the navy blue thing. And then I went back to their house and I realized I'm like, oh my God, I just copied, like unintentionally copied right. their entire like aesthetic of their kitchen. I mean, that was it, Sharon. I'm not gonna stalk you further than that. But um <laughs> sometimes you kind of are not even aware that you're doing yeah. it. You just see something that you like, and if you're spending a lot of time with somebody. Yeah, well, that's a. Tr- it's also kind of like, what is she? D- what is this person doing that's so unique to herself versus a trend? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like a trend is something that's a trend, but be- for the reason that everyone is doing it. Right. So it's not your. You know what I mean? It's not your thing. Like the gold. I've seen that the gold accent thing. That's like a, a very modern modern trend. I've seen that in a in a bunch of houses too. It's beautiful. I really right. like it. Um, but I've seen that trend anywhere. So I wouldn't say right. like that is a. Or, you know, if she's wearing her hair a certain way, that's probably a trend. Is she wearing, like, yes. you know, a, her the certain jeans that everyone's wearing? Like, how much of what she's saying is... I think the physical stuff is, like, probably more trends that she doesn't really own versus... What was it? The... Something about, like, an Instagram post with the way right, that she would phrase right, it. Right, right, Like, right. that's a little creepier. Yeah. But also hard to prove. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so I would reflect on like what, how much of these things are actually your specific things versus a general trend that maybe you do well. Right. Or you did first before yeah. she did. You like actually kind of executed before she did, even though it's out there in the world. But it's like that ring thing that we had discussed last week, I think. Right. No one's that, you're not that unique. <laughs> right. Yeah. And look, I could see if she was like a fashionista, but even then she's kind of like, I guess people that are into fashion want people to copy their look. That's kind of the whole right concept, right? Like I'm going to put this out there so other people. Yeah. We'll be like, if someone was acting in a more mature psychological way and you were like, that person is just like copying me. <laughs> like you'd be like no that's like <laughs> it's like that's what you want right. that's your, if you're an expert in something or you feel like you're like a leader in something 
you sort of like the idea was that you would want someone to to do right. that. Well, that's the whole right. thing of like an influencer, right? right? You're supposed good to- communication is my thing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I would be introspective, but I do think this is a thing, and sometimes the person might not even realize they're doing it. So maybe just bringing it to her gently to her attention, especially with the Instagram post thing, that seems like it's more probably more specific of an example that you can, you know, bring up just in a, like a loving way. And even saying like, it's so flattering. You like this and that you like that. And I love, you know, but even saying something like there's this other person that I really love. Why don't you check out their page for some fashion inspo or whatever. This is where I get my ideas from and kind of send her elsewhere for stuff. But yeah, this is a thing. It, this happens. And I think a lot of times it's almost like we talked about the the monkey thing with like the social hierarchies and how it's, you know, beneficial for survival to kind of be in the social mix group, of things yeah. and like the group mentality. And there is, you know, this like mirroring, it's like a scientific phenomenon where when two people are communicating if they like each other, they'll often sit with their legs crossed the same way, or they'll um, use move the their same hands, expressions, right. move their, their gestures, are, and we do that. It's in our genes to kind of mirror or mimic people in that way. So I think some of that she might not even be realizing that she's doing. It just might come from spending a lot of time together. So I think you can gently, you know, bring it up in a way of like, I want to, you know, like, I appreciate it. I'm flattered about these things, but I, you know, it makes me feel like, you know, my individuality is stifled in some ways. And I'd love to help you kind of find your thing and even pointing her in a direction of some other cool people that she can go to for inspiration. Right. I like that. Give it a shot. Yeah. Good luck. That's definitely, I mean, I will say that's going to be somewhat awkward conversation. So I I would definitely agree with that. Take away (laughs) from that. This well, is- she might not agree. That's the other thing. Like, it depends how, I don't know how strong her case is, how similar everything actually is. So, yeah, it will definitely be weird. And you know what? If it is, and the friendship is, it just sounds like you're kind of like a little bit not that into the friendship at the moment anyway. Right. I think it depends on how much she values this friendship in terms of, because um, I like what she wrote at the end. Tell her I like her for her and not because she's a clone of me. Like, I think she's tapping into, I still like her. I want to maintain this, but she needs to kind of get her own thing. I don't want, I don't need her. I don't need her to be just like me. So I'll like her. I'll like her no matter what. Right. All right. Let's do another one. You want to read it? Sure. Hi, Jordana and Dr. Naomi. I'm a huge fan of oversharing and it's truly a highlight of my week. I have a triggered scenario that I'd like to hear your perspective on. Over the holidays, I saw a friend I've known since early childhood, 20 plus years at this point. We're both in our late 20s now, she's married, and I'm single. Over the past two years, I've experienced some very difficult and painful life events, and while I feel like I am now on the other side of those difficulties, I definitely feel like a different and changed person. I went through a traumatizing relationship and breakup. I've watched my parents deal with one of my brothers having some extreme mental health challenges, and I went through a bout of acute depression myself, which I was able to overcome with the help of a therapist, psychiatrist, and medication. My therapist and psychiatrist truly saved my life. My friend is aware of these things, but I admit I may not have been totally forthcoming with how difficult things were behind the scenes, as I have a tendency to downplay my challenges, except to my parents and one or two very close friends. Nevertheless, she has seen me break down about my brother and the breakup, so she has some awareness. 
While I was visiting with her, the topic of having children somehow came up. I didn't bring it up. She knows that at one point I very much want to have children. But I said this time that I wasn't sure if I still wanted to have them because of what I've seen my own parents go through with my brother. This is the truth and something I've been internally wrestling with lately. She responded with, well, you can always have them through a sperm bank or a one night stand. I was so hurt by this response. In the moment, I really didn't say much back to her. I think I just said something like, yeah, maybe. But thinking about her comments since then has been so triggering. I feel as though she wasn't really listening to me. I didn't say I don't know if I'll have children because I don't have a boyfriend or husband right now. And while there are many amazing parents and caregivers that raise children that were conceived by a sperm or egg donation or one night stand, I feel so offended that she would suggest that those two paths are my options. I really can't imagine a situation in which I would tell one of my single friends that if they want a child, they can just get pregnant and become a single mother via a one night stand. If that were to happen, I would support them 100%, but it just feels like a very off comment to make. It left me hurt, confused, and a bit pissed. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the situation. Am I being too sensitive? Maybe I misinterpreted her words. Maybe she thought she was offering a helpful solution. Thanks for sharing with us each week and for all you do. I could see how this would be quite triggering. Because she's like, because it's implying that she has a problem that she didn't state that she had. Totally. It's one thing if she said, I don't know. I'm afraid I'll never have children. I don't have a boyfriend. I'm never going to get, I'm afraid I'm never going to meet someone. Then, even then, I could see if it's a good friend saying like, well, either way, you could still have them. These are some other options. That's different. Right. But that's not what right. she was that's saying. That's not the problem that she was stating. So I think, yeah, I think the triggering thing is that she was having this emotional, intimate conversation with her, like she said, with someone who wasn't really listening yes. to what she was saying. And I, there's a reason that I, I it's interesting because- to me, it almost uh, the the friend's immediate reaction um, shows that that might be what she's actually like a solution that she's thought of for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes people project their own like their own insecurities. She didn't say if her friend was like in a relationship or single or anything. No, she did. She said she was married. Oh, oh she did say she was married. Yeah. Oh, I but I do. That. But I do think it could be. I, I hear what you're saying, and I think it could be sort of like a, well, what's my last attempt that I could do if like somehow we can't have children or something like that, that she's right. Has the mindset of like, how do we handle the worst case scenario? Right. What's her big, what's her biggest fear? Mm-hmm. I think it's almost like she's, she's giving her advice based on a fear that she has, not a fear that you have. Right. And I could, I do, I really agree. I see why this is triggering one, because she's sort of like, are you thinking that I'm not going to meet someone? And that's why I'm not like you have prepared this, you know, emergency response to my current situation, which I'm not even, I didn't say was an emergency, you know, like, right. I, I don't, I'm not afraid of what happens if I don't meet someone. I'm afraid of what happens if I have children and they become, and they're mentally ill. And then I have to deal with the ramifications. That was her problem. So that I agree. The triggering part of this is that she wasn't literally listening to what she said. Yeah. And I think that's the part she can be upset with, not the Mm -hmm. advice itself, because the advice itself is like, again, she's kind of like, I feel like hung up on like the advice itself and the advice that that, how she wouldn't give that advice to someone. But I would just make it about the the, the triggering part is that she wasn't listening. Right. And I think you could say that be like, I felt like I was like being really vulnerable with you and your response somewhat indicated to me that you weren't really listening to what I was actually saying. Totally. Or the actual problem that I was having. And I would be annoyed too. The other triggering part is that she, the, I think the friend, you say the friend was like projecting her own fears 
onto this other friend. But I think the way that this listener felt was that the friend was projecting her fears about her not meeting someone in time to have a baby. You know, she's like, well, I'm not listening to anything you're saying, but in case you don't meet someone, here's an option. Um, So so I could see why that's triggering because she's like, I'm not really afraid of this thing happening, but you seem to be afraid of this thing not happening for me. Right. Which I could see being triggering, but they're in their late 20s. So you have plenty of time. I would not stress this. And I, I, I do think like you're saying, you can have a conversation with your friend where you're like, you know what? The other day we were talking and I really feel like you weren't listening to what I was saying. And maybe that is her fear for her. But I mean, that doesn't mean she has to share it. But like, if that's where it's coming from, then then that, you know, because maybe because like she can't, here's the other thing. It's like, she probably can't relate to the fear that this person is having Mm -hmm. in terms of sharing this vulnerable thing. It doesn't sound like she has a super similar experience to her. So maybe that's just not a fear that she relates to at all, Mm -hmm. but something maybe she could relate to maybe earlier in dating was the fear that she wouldn't meet someone, which I think is a much more common fear. Not that the fear of having unhealthy children is uncommon, but I think the fear of not meeting someone when you're dating is probably slightly more prevalent. Yes. So that's probably the part that she is like, that the only part that she could fully understand or the only like thing that she could fully realize, not that you have to be able to relate to something to sympathize with it, but it might be better to share this, maybe not with her. Maybe she doesn't get you in, in this particular topic. Maybe that's not something she relates to. I think you're spot on with that. Yeah, I think she was just jumping ahead in her mind of something that she could relate to or that she would. she's heard other people talk about. I agree with that. And that happens. I think you kind of sometimes that happens when you're sharing a struggle with a friend who doesn't understand it. Like you can feel very misunderstood or you cannot feel like the empathy or the caring. And I don't again, I don't think that you have to be going through something to fully to empathize with it. But I do think it helps sometimes when you understand it. That's why, like, if you're, you know, if you're a survivor of something or if you're a um you know, if you're, you're an alcoholic or something, there's specific groups with people who have the, like, the same or similar issues. And those often help people feel more understood than speaking to a friend who wasn't going through it and didn't ever really understand it. Right. This is a perfect example of why when you're training to become a therapist, the number one thing that they drill into your brain is do not project your issues onto your patients. And this is the type of thing where it's kind of like, oh, well, maybe I did relate to this like before I got married three years ago. And so I'm going to not even listen to what you're saying, be focused on my own experience, jump in with some terrible advice that has actually nothing to do with what you're saying and sabotage your session. So, (laughs) So I think that this is a perfect example of why your friends are not your therapists. And yeah, she was projecting. What, what do you give this one to 10? I'd give it like a seven, a six or a seven. I think it's, yeah. it's pretty triggering. And I think she des- it deserves a, a conversation. And also maybe, again, I don't think this has to be like not your friend anymore. But I think that that's why, that's the beauty of friendships. That's what mm-hmm. I love most about friendships is that there are different friends for different things. Maybe this isn't the friend that you're going to go to with this particular issue. It's not going to be that much fun for you to discuss it with them or not fun, whatever that cathartic for you to discuss it with them. Totally. And I do think there's something to be said that sometimes people don't realize like she really wasn't listening and it might be beneficial for her and her relationships and for certainly your friendship for you to bring that to her attention perhaps and 
maybe she can be more mindful of how she's listening when you guys are having conversations. Yeah. All right. I think we helped some people today and that's our time. Great work today. Oversharing is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Salz-McCann. Editing by Basilio Perez. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Send your advice emails to oversharing at Betches.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-363-6294. Betches.